grateful to be able to sing your praises this morning. We are grateful to lift the roof of this place, God, because there is not enough breath in our lungs, truth be told, to honor you with the kind of praise you deserve. Jesus, I ask that you would come and speak to us today by grace, that you would put your word into our hearts, God, that you would help the Christmas story expand from the inside out. All the kingdom and its powers rest now in this child. We want to open our hearts now, God, to receive what you have for us. We don't want to rush it. We've got nowhere to be. You're the best place. Our hearts are open. Our ears are open. you've walked in here this morning feeling burdened by the season or the year or the invitation of the gospel is that you lay that at the foot of the cross again you lay that upon Jesus that he can give himself to you turn our hearts onto Jesus this morning and give him all of our Christmas every little bit of it all of it King of
It's good to see you. You may take your seats. Worship team, you are awesome. Every one of you, give it up for our team. Man, I'm feeling excited. <laughs> There's power in the Christmas story, amen? If you're joining us online, welcome to church. I know people join us from all over the planet these days, in fact, and um, it's just really good to have you with us. We're in a series called Unspeakable Joy. And the idea behind this was that uh, heaven came down. That's the Christmas story, heaven came down. Um, but I think to say it in a way that God has been speaking to me about Christmas is to say it's the day that joy interrupted the season. Because if you know the story of Christmas, what was happening in those times was a census was being conducted. Everyone had been sent back to the confines of their region. They couldn't move, they couldn't go anywhere. They were counting, taking stock, if you like, of the nation. And in that season where everything was being controlled and ordered and, uh, and confined, joy burst forth in the Christmas story. Don't you love it that Jesus is no respecter of the season that is around us? Don't you love it that Jesus is not on our clock? I kind of like that. I like that Jesus shows up when the world needs it most, not when the world wants it or asks for it, just when He knows we need it. I'm pretty excited about this. If you're listening online, I just want you to know like the power of the gospel is that Jesus will show up when you need it most. You might be watching, perhaps a friend shared this, perhaps uh, someone's been kind of sending you the link every single week, frustrating you. Sorry about that. Our people are crazy passionate. But who knows what might happen if God just showed up in your life today. And that's the Christmas story. God just showed up in the life of ordinary people and changed things forever. Come on, let's read it together. Luke chapter 2. It's good to be here. Tap your name and say, I like this place. Me too. Chapter two, verse one, the story of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went up. The Christmas story is a story of ascent. The Christmas story is birthed in a man named Joseph who would become the father of Jesus that is a carrier of the story of the gospel. It's a story of him going up. There's a lot of things in life right now that are going down. But I wanna tell you the Christmas story lifts us up. Amen? All right, we're just getting warm here. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. David was a king. Joseph's family belonged to a kingly line. Jesus was born into royalty. He went there to, ooh, I'm getting a bit emotional. Ha <laughs> ha, Lee, must be the Christmas story. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she, by the way, friends, God will give birth to things that he's placed in your heart in its rightful time. Trust the timing of God. God, is, God has put seeds in your heart that'll become trees, shade for others to live under, but trust His timing. Christmas story is about the God timing. While they were there, time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at nights. I love how last week Mark Slevin spoke about this being a strange part of the story because shepherds typically aren't with their flocks at night. They're in the fold at night. Well, they're with their flocks in the fold, not the field. And so there's this beautiful thought that Jesus, the good shepherd, comes into our field. He, he steps out of the ordinary to be amongst us. That's awesome. Do not be afraid. Sorry, verse nine, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. There are so many amazing truths about the Christmas story. Here's another one. Fear is not part of it. If fear is a part of any story you're listening to right now, I wanna help you with it. It's not the Christmas story. Amen. I'll bring you good news, great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. Let's just remind ourselves, Jesus is a Savior. He's a friend and He's building His church, but He's a redeeming Savior. He sets people free and He will set you free if you give permission to Him today. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby in cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Um, let me just encourage you today. God will take care of the details of Christmas. Our responsibility is to join the chorus. God will take care of the fact that, you know, a virgin was given the gift of a baby who would become the savior of the world. He'll take care of the impossible details. Don't, don't let the, this idea ever become yours. Like, I'm pretty comforted by the idea that the Christmas story is a supernatural one and it's God writing it, not me. My responsibility is just to join the chorus. It's to, it's to partner with the anthem of heaven, singing out the praises of God for a story that came to us when we were out in the field, had nothing to offer, and yet grace found us. Love it. What a story. When the angels had left there and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem, which is the house of bread. That's a good place to be. You're in the house of bread this morning, by the way, church. This is where good food comes out. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, that's quite a powerful thought. You know, we can hear a lot about him and um, people can reference God, but to see him is, is something special too. To see him in the story. We, we've seen the nativity scenes and you notice with the nativity scene, I mean, it, it makes sense, but every character in the Bible story other than Jesus is often visible in the nativity scene. Have you noticed that? Because it's a little baby. It's a small little part of the story, but when you see that it's the biggest part of the story, doesn't matter who else showed up, he was there. Oh, I'm gonna preach to you, Link Church. Doesn't matter who shows up in your Christmas story, if Jesus is there, everything changes. And they hurried off and all the shepherds who heard it were amazed. And they told people about these things, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for the things that they had heard and seen. Unspeakable joy. Um, let's um, talk today a little bit about food. Can I do that? Food. They went to Bethlehem, means the house of bread. 
I just hear that word bread and I want to tuck myself into a big bun. I'll be honest. Like, I love food. Do you want to know something about me as your pastor? Judge me if you like. I absolutely love food. I'm a fanatic. Total fanatic. Amen. All right. To my friends online, if you're with me, if you like food too, won't you just shoot some praise hands up in the comments tab? Just let me know, like, the other people out there with me that just love food. Um, I have this thing, like... I have this thing where if I go to a meal and there's good food on the table, in fact, if we go out to a restaurant ever, it will not be your privilege to wait and decide what you want to eat. I'm ordering beforehand, all right? You can choose the mains, but we're gonna snack together on some starters and it's gonna come whether you like it or not. I love food. Like I, I literally, um, I can see my friends in the room that know me well, they're all kind of giving me this awkward grin because they know it's like, it's borderline problematic, but for now, it's just a good passion. And uh, I love food. And, and um, I'll often ask if I'm at a meal, like, where's the pause button? Because I don't want it to end. Like, you just, you just taste, just come with me on a journey. Sorry, online, we're just gonna detour. Slight de- preaching detour over here. Christmas story, we'll be back in a flash right now. But I'm just telling you, right, when, when the food arrives, the starter, it's like the smell of it, the look of it, the crunch of it, everything. I love, I just appreciate it. But when it hits your lips, don't you wanna pause? You know the feeling? Stop this moment, let it last. Because you know what happens, it's like, gone. Next thing you're sleeping in a new day. But there was, I love food. I really do love food. I love, I love all of it. I love, do you like food? Do you like, do you like Christmas food? What's your favorite? Let me, let me ask you this question. What's your favorite Christmas food? Lamb, all right. What about, um, like, are you the, I'll, I'll, I'll give some options here. Are you like the turkey person or are you the gammon person? Are you the, are you the lamb person or are you like a, like a, a beef person? Like, or are you all of the above? Like, like. Like, just, just an honest question. Anyone do pizza on Christmas Day here in the church? <laughs> yes, we got a pizza in the house. Front row team legends. Like, break protocol. I think in some Christian circles, you'd be banished. Like, we just not do, do not. Heathens. Lamb pizza, that's good. With a bit of tzatziki and a bit of extra salt and some pepper. Love food, love food, Sean, so much, bro. Um, and Christmas, let's be honest, is a big part of the story is food. Like, and here's what I know about it, which is why, like, as I'm talking, there's some people in the room that are with me and they're excited and we're going on a journey and it feels like we're surfing the best wave of our lives and other people are thinking, I don't like this conversation because you have an issue with food. Because food's funny like that, isn't it? Like, on the one hand, it nourishes us, makes us still on, strong it's like it's like it's good for us it's like it's right it's just everything feels so right and then on the other hand it frustrates us isn't that the truth that's love hate relationship with the gift of food like i know what happens on christmas day like i don't know if you like me or like others like i like the feeling of being full i'll be honest i I, 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 I like, I have no issue whatsoever with eating slightly more than I should have and sitting stuck at the table. Everyone else is going, I feel terrible. I need to go for a 20K run. Are you that person? 20K run, juice detox, seven day juice detox post Christmas because you have issues with food. It's not that the food did anything wrong. It's that you not sure how you feel about this beautiful gift, which is I'm just, I'm just having some fun with you today. Friends online, come on, you know. 
Food's funny like that. It like feeds us and it frustrates us all at the same time. Anyway, I want to talk about food. The title of my message, it's going to be nice and short today, is Overflow. And I want to just kind of have some fun with the honesty around Christmas, um, but kind of honing in on this idea of food and the table. The table's a big part of Christmas. What if, what if, you know, you're not turkey and you're not beef and you're not pizza and you're not, like, what if, what if, like, what if there was a better version of the Christmas? What if we just did it like Jesus's guys? Bring and share. Did you notice that in the story? No smorgasbord there in the stable. It's bring and share. Bring what you got. Shepherds coming with a scuffed tea and ready. Let's go. Leftovers. Never, ever. We couldn't do that. It would, be the, it would be sacrilegious to have leftovers on Christmas Day, but then you shout at the food that you prepared. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. So there's this food idea of Christmas, but maybe there's a different type of food Jesus wants to give us. There's this tension. Maybe Christmas is less about the lunch out there and more about the life of God in here. It's kind of what we've been saying the whole series, like the Christmas story doesn't begin out there. The Christmas story, friends, I know you know this, but I'm just gonna get honest with you. It doesn't begin when you start to see the cool Christmas gifts on the shelf. That's not when Christmas begins. It doesn't begin when the lights turn on. It doesn't begin when your tree goes up. It doesn't begin when the Advent calendar starts. It doesn't begin. The Christmas story began 2,000 years ago. It was the birth of Jesus, and He got into the depths of our hearts. The Christmas story has begun. It's still going, friends. By the way, you can prepare as much food as you want. Christmas story has been going for a long time. Because Christmas is never about what happens out there and always about what took place in here. The true table of Christmas is not out there. It's not the one that you're fighting about, you know, like um, we're gonna do lamb this year because we're going to your parents' house, but I don't even like going to their house, never mind the lamb that happens. And so there's this whole kind of debate. It's all out there. Let me tell you, when the Christmas story takes place in here, you don't care whose table you're at, you don't care what food you're eating, you don't care how much you ate or how little you ate, and whether you can go for front, can't go for front, if it's snowing, if it's hailing, nothing matters because the Christmas story is alive. Tap your neighbor and say, it's on the inside. And so we get to show up at the Christmas tables this season, whether there's one person or 500. Please, Jesus, let's keep it down to a minimum of 12 this year. Max, it doesn't matter how you show up or who's at the table, how much is on the table. I show up full because I fed off a different table. I don't need the turkey to satisfy me this Christmas. And I love food. I'm already full. I hope you're getting what I'm saying, church. I hope you're seeing that the Christmas story, food is such a big part of it. Don't miss out where the real food takes place. Now, let's talk about tables for just a moment. I, um, I felt God say, tell the church this, don't be tempted by the wrong table this Christmas. Don't be tempted by the wrong table. Don't get caught up in the table of indulgence when what's being prepared for you is a table of intimacy. I love this quote uh, by someone, I'm not sure who it was, they said this, he who has not Christmas in their heart will never find it under a tree. In other words, the Christmas story is the story of Jesus unfolding in our hearts. 
And the table of Christmas is not the one that you will sit at on the 25th of December. It's the one that we're invited to every other day of the year. It's not the table of indulgence where things go. Let me talk about indulgence for just a moment. There's a few tables of indulgence. There's the one of pressure, having to buy the perfect gift. You know, like, like the worst thing we can do is ask our kids what they want for Christmas because that gift list is, that, that's hectic stuff. I mean, are you, let's just be honest. They are so sure of what they want. Adults, not sure. I don't know, just give me whatever. Actually, the adult kind of knows, the kid doesn't. But it's anyway, it's back to front. And you get this list and it's burdensome. And now you, the pressure's on and you didn't get there because your payday was late and, and maybe there wasn't a payday. And now you're at the shops, it's the 24th of December. And uh, you're trying to get in line for the same pair of shoes or the toy that every other kid on the planet wants because that's what marketing does. They're all after the same transformer that moves through one system into another system within 30 seconds. And it's the 24th of December and there's five on the shelf and there's a line of 32. They all want the same toy. And now you're feeling pressure. That's the wrong table. That's the table of indulgence. The other tables of indulgence are the ones where you're trying to decide, was your meal better than the one last year? Was this, were the, were the in-laws this year better than the table of the in-laws last year? Go home, discuss it. Should we go there again? Should we never be, they're vegans, we carnivores. This doesn't make sense. Is it, that's the wrong table. Tap your neighbor say, don't be tempted. Don't be tempted. Don't be tempted by the wrong table. Feeling of guilt and exhaustion and frustration. And the crazy thing about Christmas is like we, we're at war with the season, but we have this nostalgic love for the day. Don't get caught up proving yourself to God this season. That's the table. That's the wrong table. Allow God to bring Himself to you. That's Christmas. The table of intimacy, I call it. The table of imperfection where all are welcome. Not the table that has to look perfect no matter who arrives. The table of imperfection. Just let it be a little bit messy, but God show up. Don't get tempted by the wrong table. Someone's excited. I was thinking about Psalm 23, how it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so it's less about us preparing a table before, for others this Christmas. And it's actually more about letting Jesus prepare a table for us. Can I ask you a question? Who knows they need some time at that table? Yeah. We're all honest. We all need time at his table that he prepared for us because the one we prepare for others is quite a tiring one. I mean, for sure, do it. Have fun. I like food. Did I mention that part? Our table will be overflowing. Make no mistake. And I will eat all that I can on Christmas Day. But I'm coming in full. Don't get caught up in the table of indulgence this Christmas, let me talk to my friends online, where you think it's what you bring to the Christmas story, the table you prepare for the Christmas story. Get caught up in intimacy this Christmas. It's the story of the table that He prepared for you. That's what Christmas is all about. And this is good news for lonely people. I want to talk to my friends. Some people this Christmas, come on, let's be honest. Some of you lost loved ones this year and it's going to be the first Christmas without them. That's hard. That's lonely. Some people were planning to be with loved ones that are in other parts of the world and things happened and took place and circumstances changed and you won't even see each other this Christmas. Zoom call, no table. That's lonely. But I want to tell you with, 
with great joy, unspeakable joy. You see, unspeakable joy is on the inside. It's never what I experience out there. It's always about what took place in here. If you're lonely, if you're, if you're hurting, if you, if you experience pain this year, here's the good news. It doesn't matter what table you prepared for others. He's prepared a table before you. And I'm telling you, friends, the love that's at the table that He's prepared for you is far greater and more enjoyable than any love you would have received from anyone else at the table you prepared for them. It's good news. So what if this Christmas, just a question, what if this Christmas when you sit down at any table, sit down, not as if if someone's done this for you, sit down as if the King of Heaven, He went ahead of you into the journey and He caught up and the table's prepared. You prepare a table before me, David said. And I was just thinking about how beautiful that is. I'm coming in full. Tap your name and say, I'm coming in full. <laughs> All right, I'm going to close talking about overflow. You wonder why I call the message overflow? Because at Christmas we talk a lot about food. We talk a lot about being full. But we never talk about overflow. And yet that's really where the story lands. And I was thinking about Psalm 23. You prepare a table. I can see it, God. It's not about me preparing for others. It's about you preparing for me. I want to see the story differently. I want to come at Christmas from the inside out. The season doesn't define me. I define the season because I got Christmas on the inside. Amen. But then David says something so beautiful. He says, my cup overflows. Now that's, that's an awesome scripture. We've all quoted it. We've stuck it on our bumpers. It's probably up in your home somewhere. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But we want all the time. So the scripture is less about us and more about Him, if we're really honest. And right at the end, it says, my cup overflows, which is a suggestion that David has noticed something about the ways of God that is true of the overflowing nature of God. My cup overflows. Not I poured extra or my cup got stronger. Just my cup overflows. God, when I'm with you, there's excess. And I think the Christmas story is a reminder of excess, not because we put more on the table for others, but because He put everything on the table for us. I hope you're getting this. I want you to enjoy excess this Christmas, not under the tree, not on the table, not in the bank accounts, but in the presence of Jesus, the King of heaven. And so there's this cool um, practice in Jewish culture. I want to teach you guys as a church some Jewish stuff this morning. Bless you guys. There's this cool practice in Jewish culture called Shabbat. I don't know if you've ever been around on a Friday night with Jewish people, but it's, it's rowdy and it's full of fun and it's awesome. And it's called Shabbat, which is their celebration of the Sabbath, which is when they honor the work of God. First six days of creation and they honor the work of God on the seventh. In Jewish culture, that is a Friday through Saturday. Sabbath is the Saturday in Jewish culture. And so what they do is they rest from their work in honor of the work of God. And so on a Friday night, they have celebrations, Shabbat meals. And it's, I was in Israel, I experienced one, it was next level. Fathers have their sons and daughters on the table. They're praying blessings over them. The bread is being torn. It's just celebrations everywhere. And then they go into a day of rest. It's not a day of fasting necessarily. It's just a day of rest, a day of enjoying what's being given to them. But then something really interesting happens at the end of Shabbat, Saturday evening. They have a thing called Havdalah. I don't know if I'm saying it perfectly, but it's called Havdalah. And it's the way that they end Shabbat. It's the way that they end the day of rest to enter a week of work. Now that's quite an important moment because 
One is resting from and appreciating and celebrating the work of God and the work of their hands. And so we rest and appreciate that and we rest. And then Havdalah is when we get ready to work again or we get ready to step into a new week. And what happens in Havdalah is beautiful. And I'm going to need a, a teammate here. Shauna, come join me up here, bro. Give it up for Shauna. He didn't know this was happening. He is single and that's something else. But there's this really cool moment that happens in Havdalah. Come along this side, bro. We're going to share. We're going to share. They, they cheers to a new week. And so the host of the family or the host of the party, he would, he would fill up a cup and, and people around the table would cheers to a new week. But something very interesting took place. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set us up, Shauna, and then you're going to pick the cup up and, and we're going to have a little moment here. It's quite a special moment, bro. Don't flex too hard. It's already intimidating having you here next to me. Um, anyway, thanks for saying yes to this moment. So I'm just going to give you a little bit in the cup here. It's nothing special. I want you to just... Um, I want you to just... just just, uh, just, just, just grab it, grab that cup for me. We're gonna say cheers now. Okay. Oh, bro. All you had to do was pick it up. Hold it, hold it, hold the cup. And so, what would happen is the host of the party would fill the cup very intentionally to the brim, so that whoever picked it up, in this case, poor old Shauna, would experience the overflow. It was the setup for the start of a new week. Friends, the Christmas story was never about what overflows on your table. It was always about the excess of what God prepared for us at His table. And so whether you sit down with a full table of people, with a full table of food, doesn't matter what you sit down, doesn't matter how many gifts were on the tree, I want you to know that on the inside, God has filled your cup up to the brim. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. On the inside, God is giving you more than you can imagine. And the reason I wanted you to pick the cup up, not me, is because the host fills the cup, but you have to experience the spill. Thanks, bro. You're a legend. You can put that down. Give it up for Sean again. You see, the, the host fills the cup. The host of our table is Jesus himself. He fills it. Hashtag pour it proper. And come with a little, fill it up. But you when, you, when you have the experience of picking up the cup that he filled, you experience the spill. He fills the cup but you experience the spill. Why? Because God wants you to experience His overflow. He's not letting it spill, emptying it out and then handing you a half empty cup going, make the most of your life. He's letting you pick up a cup that you don't deserve, overflowing from the brim down. There is excess. There is more love than you can handle. There is more forgiveness for the sins of our lives than you can even imagine. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. There is only goodness and grace and mercy, which is why David said, surely your goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. Because if the cup's overflowing for nothing that I've done, then there is excess for me to enjoy everything that you are. Oh, church, would you enjoy Him this Christmas? Would you enjoy Him at the table you find yourself at? Honestly, if the table's full, who cares? Enjoy it. Enjoy Him. If it's empty, if the tree's full, if the tree's empty, just enjoy Him because the host has come to remind you that there is excess in the Christmas story. There is excess in the kingdom of heaven. There is excess in your life. Don't let it ever be about 
what you prepared for others. When the story of Christmas whoo, is all about what He prepared for you. Tap your neighbor and say, there's excess. There's excess. There's excess. Anyone want some excess this Christmas? Come on, stand with me. There's excess. There's excess. Listen to this, Ephesians 3.20. Oh, Dala, I can see you're ready to sing. I love it when you come up urgent. Ephesians 3.20. Now to Him, not to you or I, not to the ones that pull off the perfect Christmas party. Now to Him, Jesus, I don't care where I land up. To Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or think or imagine. According to His power that is at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. Now to Him. God, let there be overflow this Christmas. God, let there be excess this Christmas. God, I pray that we would sit down, rested in a posture of receiving what only heaven gives. So pour out your grace in Jesus' mighty name over this Christmas. Everybody said.